Hello and welcome to the 11th episode of the third season of the Plebs on Footy podcast. I'm your host, Rory O'Kane, and as always, I'm joined by Scott Fotheringham. Hello, Banjo. We're, we're still happy. Footy's not, though. Footy's a little bit grim. I was doing my go... I, I, I don't quite take in the context of the round until I sit down and do my gold jacket, green jacket formula. Normally, I only put in the games which I think are a chance to so be gold four, jacket, green jacket. Yeah, it's normally. a bubble game. Normally. Yeah, maybe five in a really bad week. I had seven games as a chance for Gold Jacket, Green Jacket this week. And the, and the, and the separating factor between those games was injuries and five suspension, basically. Yeah, that was pretty funny. When that, I was going through it with you and going, really, I'm glad I, my team won or else it would have been a pretty shocking round. It was an absolute bloodbath this week, wasn't it? And the injuries just keep coming in. Just, every time you get your phone out, there's a new injury they're reporting on. And... Yeah, well, I only realised about two minutes ago that uh, Mitch Robinson was out for three weeks it, with a broken toe. Brad Crouch apparently is out for the season now. They've yeah, well, the, who was that? I think it was Campbell Brown said that about three weeks ago. Said I was just out. He's out for the season. My Adelaide people told me, and then Adelaide came out and like completely shut him down. I was like, no, that's wrong. He'll be back. He'll be back. And three weeks later, he's out for the season. He was the one which they were like, no, it's not osteoarthritis. Yes, yeah. and then like a week later, they asked him. He's like. No, no, that, that is what it is. <laughs> Adelaide are weird. They're just flat out lying. Like, now Rory Laird's got a broken hand and they're like, oh, he might be right this week, but he's probably out for two months. Um, oh, two months. A broken <laughs> hand I can often play with if you get yeah, that. Apparently like, non-displaced. Oh, no, what, what did Clayton have a few weeks ago? I think he had a broken hand. I have no idea. I think, I oh, realize, a broken finger or something. I didn't realise Clayton Oliver had an injury. He wore a glove for the for the game. Oh, Everyone's yeah. like, what the hell's going on? I just on? thought he looked really wanky. A bit of, bit of an MJ. <laughs> a bit of Michael Jackson going on by old Clary. Yeah. But anyway, we're moving on to, to Gold Jacket, Green Jacket. Yeah, 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 let's do it, let's do it. I'll start bragging about North later. Just, just want to say at the start, Gold Jacket, Green Jacket. Big things this week. We had a four-way tie. That That's that's amazing. Yeah, we had a four-way tie for second place because we still had one worse in those four games. And uh, look, I really appreciated you trusting me and bringing me into the deliberation process. We worked through it. Yeah. I was able to provide the expert advice that got you out of it this It was lockdown. still objectified because, you know, I have my own perceptions when I put into the into the formula and then I just put your ones your ones in and you, you managed to separate them. So yeah, yeah. you do have a, uh, the two a game, good objective. Go check the, the, the two games that missed out, though, were the Belfort North games, so maybe not so <laughs> Yeah, unbiased. I mean, look, there's definitely a fair bit of subjectivity involved in the highly objective formula. Yeah. But anyway. <laughs> look, I, I take it, Brisbane's entire team getting injured, that's a story. That's all I'm going to say. That's what got us off the line. But look, for the new listeners, the segment is Gold Jacket, Green Jacket. It, it derives from the line in Happy Gilmore, Gold Jacket, Green Jacket, who gives a shit. And we give 3-2-1 votes for the most meaningless games of the round, within a highly meaningless round. 20 week. minutes ago, you were complaining that our listeners are going down, and now you're assuming we've got new ones. You think we're going to be... Yeah, yeah okay, fair, <laughs> fair But anyway... One vote, we're going to... Uh, Collingwood defeated Frio by 61 points. Um, this one was basically the only story which came out of it was Nathan Fife. Um, yep. Uh, with a minor point to the guy that had been seven years waiting for his debut in Brady or Brody Majacek. Yeah, there, there and were... he was okay. There were a few uh, good individual performances around. I mean, Phillips had 36 and three goals. That's He's a pretty good game. He's probably good. Sidebottom at 39. Yeah. I thought their midfield was full. They rack up so many stats through there. I thought there's, they can't possibly have another guy who racks up high 20s, but Phillips is there now. It's pretty incredible. Just just covers ground. Mm. That's what he does. He's a classic wingman. Um, are we going to talk about Fife now? Is that a later thing? No, we'll talk about Fife now. We'll just run through it. He got The suspension got held. No brown though for him. 
I think it was the right decision, personally. I think it was one of the more borderline ones that I've seen. I, and yeah, I, it was I, pretty close. I said this to you before. In terms of whether it's careless or intentional, I reckon that the difference is whether he had left the ground with his arms in the air before or after the ball had been tapped away mm. by Greenwood. If if he was if it was still in the air and it hadn't been tapped away and he'd left the ground, you can make the argument he was going for the ball and then he was just he was a bit sloppy and just yeah. carried through with it. If, however, it had been tapped away and then he left the ground, then that's clearly an intentional action. Yeah. The thing was it wasn't made any easier to tell because it he had tapped it away, but it was a split second before he left was, the ground. It was, it was ex- really close. I, I watched it about 20 times, and I still wasn't sure which side of the fence I sat on, which is why it was a, it was a close decision. But look, I'm upset about it. I love the man, but yeah, I, I don't passionately disagree with the decision. I think it it makes some sense. Yeah. The only thing that you question is how come Tom Mitchell got off for a similarly impactful hit off the ball... Uh, there was lower force. In you reckon? There was. That, there wasn't. There wasn't much in there. Okay. And the fact it was off the ball arguably makes it worse. But if yeah. you're looking at the grading system, but I don't think it you got called it was, intentional, which was. Did, was it? Was it insufficient force or? It might have been, but I just I find it amusing that there can be such differences between that and Tom Mitchell's off the ball version of it. But anyway, yeah. let's uh, move just, on. Also, just Lyndon Dunn watch. Are we keeping it going this week? You can. I didn't really watch him because I was watching North. <laughs> oh, look, he pretty much did what Lyndon Dunn, uh, Dunn does. He's, he's, he's a good footballer. Lyndon and Dunn, just, Dunn, dude. Yeah, Dunn uh, dude. There was a little bit of a tongue tie there, but uh, <laughs> no, we love Lyndon and the segment is still still alive and well. <laughs> Lyndon Dunn, Dunn, done it. Uh, two votes, Geelong defeated Gold Coast by 85 points. I like how you thought that like two seconds aside was a segment, but yeah. No, but just, just it's just... There wasn't a lot to say about Lyndon, but I just have to remind people at the segment. Oh, exists. now that we're up to Geelong defeating uh, Gold Coast, I can get to the more important watch segment. Aaron Hall oh. hurt himself. Yeah, well, why would we be watching him? He's injured. How long is he out for? I don't know. It's really... I can't find it because nobody bothers to cover the Gold Coast. It's really upsetting my fantasy well-being. I'm hoping it's less than three weeks. I think the last thing I saw was they said, what, him, May, and... Uh, who's the other one? Uh, Young. They yeah. said that they're all going to miss some footy. That, that that's what they're thinking, but yeah. they haven't given a timeline on any of it. Torn bicep or peck was what I heard, and mm. that's, that doesn't sound great. No, that's a lot of time from my very primitive medical knowledge. Yeah, should ask Stringer. But anyway, this game, the, the, the only real, again, similarly to the other one, there's one story to come out of this game. The rest of it was rubbish, but mm. Gaz, of course. Yeah, I love that with, man. Oh, he's so good to watch. But with that story, it's also like he played the Gold Coast, so it's a little less impactful. If he'd done this against Sydney, if he'd done this against Hawthorne, even if he'd done it against Richmond, you'd be like, wow, he's back, he's there, he's doing everything again. But I think I needed to see another good performance like that against a good good side. We do have crazy high expectations of the man. I mean, yeah, he picks I up expect him to do that kicks... every week. I'm, I'm not actually that surprised when he does yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. But, like, people getting complaining about him, you know, a bit dinkier, which is which is fine. Yeah. Like, that's below what we expect of Gary. I mean, yeah. We expect him to be more damaging. But, like, that's still a very, very good footballer doing what he's been doing this year. Like, you would be very happy having Gary Ablett in any team. Yeah. The thing is, you're just more happy that it's that Ablett than the other Ablett. Like, an outlet that goes sideways and sort of crabs a little bit more and isn't giving you any real drive, as an opposition supporter or as an opposition player or coach, you just go, thank God he's not straight. Yes, but that that doesn't mean he's 
he's not a very good footballer. Yeah, no, that's and, he, fair. and he still is, and it's just because we expect him to be that. My God, Gary Ablett. But that that second goal that he kicked, the one on the boundary from Oh yeah. like that was that was, that was vintage gas. That was peak Gary Ablett. Yeah, I, he might have been a Gold Coast against Geelong game. He did that twice yeah, on opposite yeah. pockets with the opposite feet, and you just go, wow. It's yeah, it, it, it's special. I I, I I do love that. Now. Yeah. But anyway, we get to uh, three votes. Um, another bloody Friday night game. Sydney defeated Carlton by 30 points. So to those teams we say... Gold jacket, green jacket, who gives a shit? Mate, I watched this game. I, I, I don't really remember any of it. Like, that's how bloody irrelevant it was. This was the, It came out as 14 points on the gold jacket. That's, jacket a, well, that, that, record, that's right? definitely a record. It, it was complete crap. Terrible margin, no upset, low standard of game. I mean... Carlton were in it for the first half. Mm. It was you just knew Sydney were going to win it, and they won it by a boring margin of thirty points. Yeah, there's nothing really that you take away from this game. Sydney are just doing enough. They're not really making me think they can win the flag. They're not making me think they can't win the flag. They're in this weird limbo period. Carlton are making me think they suck, but there's a little bit of hope, which is what I thought going into the year. Can I point out two things that you've got wrong? Firstly, you said Sydney won't make the eight. You did say that. Yeah, I, I said that <laughs> under duress, and you know that. Yeah, well, you're Kane Corns Corns. I wouldn't make the top four. What a stupid call. You've got to be they a bit bolder. They might make the that. top four. They're in fourth. <laughs> yes, but it's not a Kane Corns call. Yes, I mean, it is. It's, this it's is very a, hard to make the top four. This is the four. second most consistent side of the last ten years. Well, where do you sit on it now? Do you expect them to make the top four? Not really. Yeah, it's... I think they can. Like, I think they can finish. I think they'll third get knocked out by a North. So. Shut. <laughs> I think they can finish. In all seriousness, though, what uh, Nick Dalsano did a ladder predictor. He had Melbourne third. Uh, he had Sydney fourth and North fifth, all on sixty points at the end of the year. So I'm not the only one thinking it's got. Not the only one. Do thinking you have it. to derail everything to talk about North Melbourne? What we were that saying was vaguely Sydney related. Very, very vaguely. That is not why you brought it up. What we were saying was, I can see them finishing top four. I can see that happening. I can't see them winning the flag. I just they yeah. they just don't quite have that something special. Very much Hawthorne when they went out in straight sets. Geelong the last few years where you just don't quite think they've got it. Better than that Hawthorne side, because I was very negative about that, them. But I just... That top end doesn't really seem to be there in the terms of ball movement, in the terms of the pressure. And in terms of a lot of the team facets, it's so much about individuals. I just can't see that working. Parker was brilliant. That's something I do remember. It was... Buddy was... That shake he did to get rid of Cripps, where he fell over. Cripps also fell over, but he kept the ball in play and then ran away. It was just hilarious. There were times when they were getting a little bit Buddy-centric when he was mm. deep. And whenever Buddy worked up the ground, he was just so damaging whenever he got the ball. And he'd just yeah. kick one of his, you know, Buddy kicks into 50. And I started thinking, like, you want Buddy up the ground, put Parker deep, because he was so dangerous mm. every time he was caught one out. And they probably did that a little more Well, in the they've got half. a few more... They've got a few small forwards that look pretty dangerous. Haywood, I think, looks really dangerous. Ronk has shown he can have his moment. Yeah. They can rest midfielders forward and look dangerous. So pushing Buddy up the ground for larger periods of the game, I think unlocks more of their offense than leaving him deep does because they don't really have a half forward that can really run that connective tissue between the forward line and the midfield. They don't have a Tom Lynch 
at the Adelaide version. They don't mm-hmm. have a Toby Green. They don't have that high half four that really works to link up all that well. And Buddy is so good that he can do that. I, I think you could make an argument that he's the best user inside 50 in the comp. I, I think he is that damaging with the way he wheels around and he, he can kick it 60 metres and hit someone on the chest in space. Yeah. Not many players can Except kick I wouldn't say kicks. inside 50. I'd say like 70 or 80 metres out. That kick no, inside is, Yeah, the kick yeah. into the 50 from that distance. So, like, although you love him kicking goals, mm. he's very, very, very good at that other role. Yeah, so. especially because he can still kick goals while playing that higher role because he's got such an amazing leg. Yeah, okay, he just needs to get about five metres closer and yeah. he'll kick it from 70. Just run around one guy and he's there. The other thing you got wrong, um, did you see Silvani in the first half? No. <laughs> Mate, it was, that, Which just that, that, further that goes me. into my theory. I've never seen anything <laughs> no, that, good from him. It was pretty like he did. He did nothing in the second half. But the first <laughs> half was it was pretty special. He got plenty of the ball. He was kicking goals. And there are moments of just of silkiness. I would say that you get from him. And occasionally, he's a bit. He's a bit laconic. He's got a bit of the Jack Watts about him. That he has. Mm. Like, he got run down once in the first half, which he just. He looked, looked like he thought he had so much time and just got, got run down. But everything else he did, it, was, it looked like composure and he was hitting targets, he was kicking beautifully. Pretty aggressive at the contest. He's, he's a bit, there's a lot of Jack Watts about him, actually. He's, he's, a bit, he's a bit weak and he goes missing for patches. But what he does can be pretty special at times. And that, he'll play 200 games, mate. I'm sticking with that call. Yeah, okay, okay. Do you think he's going to play midfield now? Is that what he's doing? Has he been shunted from the forward line because he's not good enough? Has he, he done a James Sissel? He still drifted forward a bit. It was kind of a high half forward wing sort of role. And that, that probably is better for him. I mean, similar to Jack Watts. Get him more you, involved. You, you don't want him being caught one out because he'll, he'll get pushed off it. You yeah. want him getting up the ground and getting a bit looser. Um, but he looked good, and I still think a lot of Carlton players look all right, so... I think plenty of Carlton players look right. I just don't think Jack Silvani looks all right. <laughs> anyway, let's move on. Let's get to the uh, interesting football or the slightly it, it, more interesting There's only football. one interesting game in this whole round and it comes at the end. So Jeez, might just want to fast forward a little Hawthorne, bit. Hawthorne, St Kilda and St Kilda fans. Nah, nah, it's not. But we'll, we'll explain <laughs> that when we get to it. Okay, get to it. Your game. Melbourne defeated Dogs by 49 points. Just waltzed in. Kicked an eddy, and that was the game, pretty much. <laughs> Kicked an eddy. This actually... was an eddy of a game for you. You struggled into an open goal under zero pressure, and that was it. I was actually really satisfied with this win. I mean, it, it started off... You were absurdly worried about it going in. I had no idea what you were it was talking funny. about. I, I kind of was, and then when I sat down about five minutes before the game to watch it, I started thinking... Oh, no, we're going to win it. <laughs> but, but, but early on, like, they had their heat on us early. They played some good footy, which they've been doing the last few weeks. So they played, they, yeah, they, they were, good first quarter. They, they hunted us in the contest. We weren't winning any clearances, which lasted a fair chunk of the game. Um, obviously, Lever going off in the first quarter. Melksham looked like he was done for a bit. That that shakes you up a little bit. Yeah. And it was kind of... Watching the second quarter was really satisfying. It was the first time for quite a few weeks, which I've been thinking... The, the heat's on us a bit, and we managed to adjust and just started getting the game back to how we wanted to play. And then by the end of the game, it was very similar to the last few weeks. But yeah, I, I was really satisfied with it. In all honesty, it's just another box tick for you. It's not really anything. I don't think we learned anything about you. The lever injury is by far the biggest takeaway. How much do you think that'll hurt you guys going forward? A lot. Yeah. No, it really. I mean, we saw our backline was terrible last year. 
um, awful. And even this year, we've seen the difference between an in-form lever and an out-of-form lever. Yeah, do you think he's been the product of your good form and being able to have less pressure coming his way in terms of you've been so much more dominant through the midfield? Or do you think it's been his rebound has allowed you to unlock things offensively? His last two to three weeks, he was doing things which isn't just structural. Like he, mm. he was doing some special things and he was playing some seriously good footy. Well, his first I think quarter against Adelaide was just unbelievable. Yeah, I, I, I think initially there was a bit of take the pressure off him and then he started growing his confidence mm. and started building into it. Um, but by then he was playing some seriously impressive footy and, and doing things which whoever we bring in, whether that's Frost or Smith, they're not going to be able to do that. And look, the last few weeks we've won so clearly in the midfield that it wouldn't have hurt us. Mm. But against a good side, having a, an unreliable defence, which is what Oscar McDonald and Sam Frost would be, or, or Smith, it would be yeah. unreliable. That, that'll hurt us. And I've said this to you before, I think the most important... Max Gorn is the most important player for Melbourne. The second most important player for Melbourne will become Jordan Lewis. I think they'll just... Plug him in the hole. He's experienced. Oh, sorry, sorry, I thought post lever. <laughs> I thought yeah. you were saying. <laughs> yeah, no. From, from this point on, for the rest of the yeah. season, he will be our most important player because I think with his experience, they'll put him in the hole. They'll he'll he'll lead the structure. I think the difference, like pre T Mac and post T Mac, I think points to him being the most second most important player. I, you, you can make the argument. I, I, I get that. But I, I think Jordan Lewis will become so important. And he's already been doing the thing where, like, Lever's been playing behind quite a lot, like a kick behind. And quite often when Lever Lever gets drawn forward, we've already noticed Lewis often goes back and takes that space. Sometimes Hibbert has, but most of the time it's been Lewis. But Lewis will become the number one yeah. now. And he's playing some good footy. So I'm hoping that's the thing that can keep us glued together. Yeah, well, it'd be a shame if... Lever's injury just ruined your entire season. As much as I want to see you miserable, I would like to see you be miserable from a decent high. The fall is what's enjoyable. So, you know, I'm hoping you get to at least the final and lose. But anyway, let's move on. Do the dogs... Do you have anything positive for them? I think the thing which stood out to me for the dogs this week was how little weapons they had. Like, they, they started quite well, but as the game went on, I mean... Bond kicked that freakish goal out of the um, from a stoppage, which was like, wow, that's special. They're Bond so- is their best key forward by a mile, yeah. and it's so depressing. I, to be honest, the last two times I've watched Shacky, I've been like, oh, there's signs there, but he's so skinny and underdeveloped that it's just not there yet. He's yeah. got to really yeah. spend a few years in the gym. Boyd, I don't think he's ever going to be anywhere near as good as he was in that final series. I, I just can't see that coming back. And I don't know what they've done to make him so he just he, the best thing he does is spoil now and that's ridiculous for a guy who's the most talented mm, forward yeah. in the league in years when that was how he was talked about God, he was hot yeah I, I just don't understand what they've done to him to turn him into the player he is now there's something I'd almost send turn him into a key back to be honest uh, I, I don't know I, I, I still see glimpses with Boyd and maybe I think back to that grand final but there are, there are moments where I do see him really leap and stretch and take a good mark. And sometimes he's compared... He's not a terrible ruckman. He, he's not awful. Um, no, but some, he's also... He plays like quarters here and there, which I think, oh, I don't know. But I, I just think they're utilising in such a poor way. I, to be honest, the way you guys use Hogan is what I think they need to do with him. 
because I don't think he's con- consistent enough in the year to really get after the ball and rely on that being his number one trade. So you've got to bring him into the game. And I think but, he's got but are the, they kind of doing that anyway with rucking? He spends a fair bit of time in the ruck. They, they, that's fine, but that's still a contest. They're not. They, it's not mm. bringing him into the game. He's putting him near the ball, but it's not searching for him, which I think you guys do with Hogan, and it's really helped Hogan and made him work hard. It's made him more involved in the game. Oh, for sure, it's game. helped him, yeah. And I think that's the kind but, of thing they should be doing. I still feel like putting him in the ruck kind of has... The similar effect. I don't. Th- I don't think he's a terrible second ruckman. I, I, think I don't think either. But he's not been played ruckman. as a second ruckman. He's spending a fair bit of time in the ruck. Yeah, I know. He's been playing as a number one ruckman. Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> no, he's not their number one. He's, he's so like who else is playing more ruck than him at the moment? They chop and change a lot, don't they? <laughs> they have a lot who just slot in there. Like there's not a yeah. There's not a clear number one. Everyone just kind of has a crack. Uh, I just think he's been completely mismanaged, mm-hmm. and I think that's a story with nearly half the Bulldogs list since they've won mm. the flag. Yes, they had a young list and retirements and stuff caused part of their drop, but it, more needs to be said about the players they're underutilising and the players that were young and should have grown that have gone backwards. Who, who are you talking about now? There's heaps. Clay Smith, Biggs. Mm. Think about how many... Lynn Jung, think about how many... Biggs was never that good. Biggs was like a decent uh, halfback he, flank. He was a boring accumulator. He, he never. He was never. He never impacted. But he was game. fine, and they don't have anybody doing anything, offering any drive back there anyway. It's, he, he did some of that in their flag season. Yeah. They had so many Premiership players. They were clearly good enough. Like you can't win a flag without being good enough to play AFL football. Like there aren't that many Shane Shannon Burns of the world. Like, I think I there's think just like, so many players that just aren't aren't anywhere near their best. The way I look at Caleb Daniel now, I reckon is kind of symbolic for me. Like he's but he was playing some really aggressive footy back when mm. they when they were good. And he was he was using the ball well and he was using it smartly and it was it was short chip kicks which would open up the it ground was and Sam Mitchell esque and that comparison was made by a lot of people. Yeah. But it, it would kind of open up mm. the ground and then everyone else would start running forward and that's when they start looking dangerous. At the moment I'm watching Daniel and he's still having a go. But it's it feels kind of weak in the way that he moves. Like yeah. it'll just be a chip kick sideways, and it won't get anywhere. And he just gets in. It's just dinky, boring, not damaging. I, they just don't have a lot of weapons, and I just feel he kind of sums that up. That yeah. it doesn't build to anything. It's just it's just a weak passage of play that doesn't get you anywhere. Yeah, for the amount of like investment they've put in big guys recently. To have the worst list of big men in the league, I think, is staggering. They have so many, but just none of them are any good. Jordan Ruffhead, below yeah. average. Trengo, Trengo below yeah. average. They're the same footballer. <laughs> they are. Yeah, key defenders that go into the ruck because you've got no one else. really mediocre. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Boyd, below average. Shaqie, below average. There's just... Red Path might be the best of them. And Red Path... Yeah, I don't mind Red Path, but yeah, yeah. Like, that's not good enough, and it, I just take yeah. it back. But let's move on, because we're spending too much time talking about the Bulldogs when they just make just, me just angry. Just <laughs> our head against the wall. Hawthorne defeated Port by three points. Apparently this wasn't a good game, Scott. Mate, just to keep your mood going, you're, uh, you're throwing Hawthorne of the worst list in the competition. Is this another mistake that you made? No, I like, stand by that. Got a good win on the Port. They do, but they're a mediocre side with the oldest <laughs> list in the comp. That's being buttressed by the best coach in the league. Those last few minutes from Port Adelaide, 
were actually like really, really, really poor. Like, they, they, they were going like long down the line with two minutes to play when they needed to score and then just getting pushed out of the contest yeah. down the line. It was, it, it was really poor. I, as, is Robbie Gray forward just not an option they can sustain? Because every time he goes forward, they look to have no creativity in the midfield. Wines, unbelievably good clearance player, really strong, does mm. so many things well, not creative. Not creative at all, no. Rockliffe, pretty much the same. Yep. Pal Pepper, same. Yeah, the, the Ebert, the same. Ebert's got a trick with Boat his overhead. Ebert, he spends half his time yeah, forward he plays well. forward as well. They just, yeah. They've put all their best midfielders that are creative and can really offer them something out of the midfield forward and I haven't said this for about three years but it's robbing Peter to pay Paul it's just (laughs) (laughs) your favourite saying my favourite saying my uh, Catholic upbringing saying it's just not it's not an effective strategy and I think it shows because every time Robbie Gray plays forward he's their best player still but they lose they keep changing their opinion on Robbie Gray as well like Mm. there was a patch earlier in the year when he was spending a lot more time in the midfield and I was thinking that's working pretty well. And then, yeah, last couple of weeks, especially this week, he was basically a deep forward the whole yeah, game. It's pretty much he played well, yeah. but you could tell there was something missing in the middle. It's been since they got Rockliffe healthy in the midfield. They've just said Gray's a more effective forward than Rockliffe is at forward. They're very mid- different from, from a midfield perspective. They're very, very different. I 100% agree with you, and I don't understand how you can have no... They don't have the offensive midfielder in there. Yeah, there's, they, they, there's not a balance in that yeah. midfield, is there? They're, they're kind of the opposite to Geelong. Geelong only has the offensive midfielder, the guy that when he gets mm. the ball, it's going to burst, he's going to do that. They're hunting the ball. They're always thinking about getting the ball forward. They've got ball hunters, but it's not the break open yeah, the game. Yeah, it's true, actually. It's, it's all... It reminds me of, like, North Melbourne's midfield when it was Swallows, Evil, and Cunnington. Like, it was all the same. It was all, like, contested... Mm. Very stoic, very, yeah, just no real creativity. Yeah. And, and I don't think the balance is... They've got a few, around. like, outside players who hang out on the wing, but they don't really get involved. Like a, a Westhoff or a Wingard if he goes forward. Well, uh, Polek, he's Polek a good winger. Polek and but Westhoff are fantastic wings. Like, they, they're really good footballers. But, but you need a creative inside player exactly. to release them into that sort of space. They'll just, you know, they'll just run into space and get fairly easy ball mm. where if you have a creative midfielder who's actually releasing them into dangerous areas that's when they start becoming good players yeah and both of them use the ball well enough for that to be a real option for them and a real strength they they should be able to impact the game especially Polek I think Polek is a pretty fantastic footballer when he's up and going they should be looking to model the game on Isaac Smith mm. that should be what they're looking for yeah and Polek looks exactly the same as Isaac Smith yeah, in the way they move, in the way they kick the ball, it's yeah, yeah. uncanny, and that should be the role they're going for. But instead, it's more the push deep, the Andrew Gaff role from a couple of years ago when he wasn't really being all that damaging. Yep. When he was getting the ball deep and hitting that, hitting the target at the midway line, instead of getting the ball halfway up the field and pushing the ball forward. And none of their creative ball users are in the right spot it's really frustrating they are they are frustrating Paul. They feel it feels like they should be a lot better than they are and Dude. then they'll put in a great performance every few weeks and be like there you go like the showdown yeah do you think it's happen. a reaction to the flat track bully era where they've just gone just being offensive cannot work for us we need to be more 
yeah, more balance and they've yeah, just gone too maybe, far? Maybe, maybe. Yeah, to an extent. Yeah, perhaps. But, yeah, I think it's a personnel thing as much as anything. Yeah. Anything for Hawthorne? It's a good win. Does it change what you think of them at all? Well, I get the impression it wasn't a great game of footy. So, yeah, it's a good win and... Um, they often win games in Tassie, so um, I don't think there's too much to come. They're going to hang around the eighth to tenth spot of the ladder, I think. I don't think you've gone down got... a little bit. You were saying, I think you were saying sixth to eighth before. Was that a few couple of years? I was. A couple of weeks ago, I think. No, no, you're right. No, but I think the last four weeks have not really shown that they can be much. No, no. I mean, I, I can see them sliding into the back end of the eight, but there's a lot of teams you can see that of, and maybe they are a little bit weaker than a, a Collingwood and like. A, I've heard their draws really easy. I haven't really investigated a bit. They're not better than GWS at their best. They're not better than Adelaide at their no, best. Those best, teams yeah. are both in that same spot at this point in the season. So mm. you've got to question whether or not they're going there's, to be able to get there's there. A, there's hot competition for those last few spots in the eight. Yeah. And they probably are just slightly And it's really weird because teams like Collingwood, North and Melbourne are all a lot more entrenched in the eight than you thought they would be. Yeah, or yeah, exactly right. anywhere near there. Yep. West Coast too. Anyway, let's move on. We're doing the 2-2-2 two, two, two segment split again. Mate, we're changing and it's bigger and better and This it's is good. the same. This is us going, going yeah, to core no, principles and sticking yeah, with but, it. Yeah, but we're sticking, sticking with it for two weeks. It's unlike it my become... search for a segment earlier in the pod's history where... We're actually going to stick with this one. Yep. We're going Cane Corns, and we have found the greatest Cane Corns of all time. This will never be beaten. This one is specifically for our listener in the Netherlands. Is he in the Netherlands? It's not specifically for him. No. It's good anyway, but yes, yeah. he'll enjoy he, it. He will enjoy yes, this the most. The <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck's on track? Um, Mark Fine, who's now become my favourite commentator purely because of this take, and it's the greatest. He starts off by saying there's been a lot of discussion about the best players in the competition. He then lists off Dangerfield, Martin... Five. He mentioned Martin. Nat Nui in there, I remember. Yeah, he mentioned Nat Nui as though he's a given, which I dispute. Yeah, anyway. it's not a given, but you can make the argument at least. But then he goes, but I tell you who's really good at not being talked about, Majak Dor. Mate, the fact that you're saying this is a cane corn... What is that, yeah, I mean, you'd be happy about it, but the fact you're saying it's a cane corn's call... And, you bloody love Magic Door. I love Magic Door. You realise how ridiculous <laughs> that statement is. I'm not only saying it's arcane corns, I'm saying it's the biggest cane corns we'll ever see. Like, Yeah, it could be a... Dumb commentators should just not bother showing up to work tomorrow because there's no chance of beating this. <laughs> we should rename this segment it's that good. We should, the Mark Fine... Uh, Call, call of the week. Like, he's not consistent enough to deserve <laughs> no, it. No, we love Kane too much. This, <laughs> is the, this is the dusty 2017 season call of the Kane Corns. It's the greatest thing we're ever going to see in terms of a peak. He's playing some good footy, old Majak. But to put him in the same league as a Nathan Fife is just... It, it's slightly ridiculous. What I love is champion data's player ratings... They overrate him quite drastically <laughs> And they've still only got him as the fourth highest key defender That's still pretty high That's really yeah. high That's overrating, <laughs> I'll admit, I'll happily admit But he's the fourth highest key defender Which means there's midfielders, forwards, ruckmen <laughs> Mid-forwards, yeah. like There's every he's, other type of player He's doing well because well he's, he's playing his role But he's not, he's not a star no, I've been unbelievably impressed with him. His improvement has been a major factor in the reason North Melbourne's improved. But he's our third most important key defender and our backup ruckman. 
Neither of those are the most important roles. <laughs> it, it, is, it is a good cat. Normally, when you suggest a few Kane Corns calls during the week, I'm a bit like, that's not that bad. And when I saw this, I'm like, I'm very happy with that. I'm <laughs> out Kane Corns this week. Like, the things you resort to listening to when you go for procrastination, it's just unbelievable. Yeah, it looked like a rubbish show, to be honest with you. But what's your Kane Corns, Banjo? Uh, so, we've had discussions over thugs before on this pod. I have been right. Lindsay Thomas, yeah. Yeah, it's we, not a thug. We have, to, we have right. talked about Bernie Vince, yeah. possibly oh. the most evil human being in the AFL. Rascal, but yeah. As I've said to you at RSAT. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I've got a hot take. I think it's time to admit that Nathan Fife is a thug. Nathan Fife is not a thug. And I, I will always He tried to knock out Levi Greenwood. He just cold-cocked him. The we ball didn't. was nowhere near there. You know that's the not true. The ball was nowhere near there. It was a dog act. It was off the ball. He should be suspended for life. It was that bad. It was Barry Hall-esque. And in his Brownlow year, he should have been suspended three times, but he got off because they thought he was going to win the Brownlow. Nathan Fife is a little bit of a Bernie Vince. He, he's, a, he's a good <laughs> fella who just... He has, he has odd So you've admitted he's a little bit like the most thuggish player in the league. No, he's a rascal. They're both most, ra- they're lovable Bernie rascals. Bernie Vince is the most cited player in Melbourne history. He gets cited in one-third of his Melbourne yeah, games... He's been cited 31 times. I've played 95 games for you. He's been cited two times less than he's but kicked we're talking about Nathan you. Five, we're not and talk- you just compared him to Nathan Five, which means you're putting him in the bracket of a thug. I am not. So I, no, think I, I, don't, my case. No, I think I rest my case. They're lovable rascals. Nathan Five, he does silly little things, but none of them are that silly bad. Silly little was, things like kneeing players and punching them in the head. This was like he, he should have got suspended for it, but it's not like a, a dog act. It was. It was a bit. It was very sloppy. The ball was meters away by the time. It was. It was just. It was a bit silly. He jumped after the They're ball cute. and being hit. They're lovable. They're cute. They're cute. They just a do forearm s- to a the head. They're just little rascals, mate. They just. <laughs> they're good people who just do silly little things on the field, but. They're not dog people. You're an apologist, and it's your worst quality. It's your worst quality. They're, they're rascals, all right. That's how they be described, not thugs. <laughs> But anyway, can I do my cane corns? I think I definitively won that. Let's go on. Rascals. (laughs) I've been sitting on this one for a little while. I've been a bit too scared to go with it, but I think I'm going to. I reckon Rory Laird is quite an overrated footballer. Do you know why you were scared to go with it? Because that statement's wrong. No, it's not wrong. I mean, I'm not saying... Where is he rated as one of the best halfbacks in the competition? What is he? One of the best halfbacks in the competition. People would say he's a lock for all Australian. He shouldn't be. I, I, I would put Neville Jetter in ahead of him. Yeah, and you're I, wrong. Rory Laird, he gets a lot of Brandon Ellis ball. There's a lot of just he does. He gets taking about, a chip, kicking it side. He accumulates. He I never watch a out. game and think, gee, Rory Laird's killing them. I never think that. He, he doesn't really break 10 to lines. 15 touches, Brandon Ellis touches the game. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. He still gets more touches than Neville Jetta that are hard-earned. But Neville Jetta's great. And he's a great defensive footballer. You know, They're very different. But Laird I would is like... a very good defensive footballer. Oh, no, not really. Yes, he is. He's very strong through mm. the hips. He's good at his body work. He, he's fine as a defensive player. He's a plus defender, and he's an A-plus rebounder. No, he's not. Yes, I, he he's is. not. I would pref- Seedsman's better. Seedsman is more damaging. Seedsman is a winger now. He's if, you had the same front, if you had him off half bat, he actually no because he'd be a defensive he's exam- liability. He's an example of someone who can be damaging in a completely different way. Laird is not damaging. There he is just, he no gets one ball. in the league that is in the same package as Rory Laird. The closest is Jake Lloyd, and Jake Lloyd is a fantastic player who's not as good as Rory Laird. I think Jake Lloyd is 
probably slightly better. When I watch a Sydney game, I, I can see he's damaging the game more than I see Rory Laird doing it. No, you're, just, you're just not watching. He's potentially going to be out this week, and I, I don't think it hurts them that much. Like, I, I don't play? think it'll make that big a difference to them. They're going to have know, so I'm not saying whether they'll win or lose, but I'm just saying I, I really don't think it'll hurt them that this much. Is, this is one of your worst. He's games. a mediocre Brandon Ellis. But They're anyway. playing Frio, so it won't really matter. Yeah, it won't matter at all. But <laughs> no, no five Frio. But like, I, if you take out Rory Sloan, I'm like, that makes a big difference. Take out Rory Laird, meh. Okay. Meh. You've, let's do the Rory ranking. Is he below Atkins? <sighs> no, nah, he's, he's above Atkins. Okay. That's the correct Rory ranking. <laughs> but he's, he's, he's definitely above O'Kane as well, so that's what's important. Like, as a footballer, yeah. <laughs> I can't really deny that. I'm sitting here talking about footy, and he's there playing. You've really got me there, Scott. But anyway, let's go back to the football. Dream time. Mm. Richmond defeated Essendon by 71. Rejoice, for we don't have to be positive about Essendon again. And I can be right. That's my take. Yeah, but are you going to say there's grief over the fact that Richmond are now looking unbeatable again. Like that, that, that was a special performance, as they do on all big occasions at the G. Just every time you watch it, and they're just they're just too bloody good. And you put them on Grand Final day at the G, they'll win every bloody time. Look, we had the defeat Richmond model. We figured out how to defeat them, and Essendon don't have any of those tools. No, that's that's true. So I'm fine. This is an aberration. <laughs> Essendon, Essendon Carlton. Let's not kid ourselves here. Yes. A 70-point win, a 71-point win against a team that lost to Carlton is nothing to panic over. Now, did you watch it, panic, It was very, very the impressive. The panic is more about the fact that you lost Lever, West Coast lost Darling, North lost Wade and Anderson. Like, those are the big that four is, contenders. That is yeah. And that's why... <laughs> I don't believe you didn't pick me up there. Um, and that's, well, that's more worrying than this. Like, this game is... I, I didn't expect Essendon to be close, did you? No, but no, I, I had some small hope it would be a game. And in, in the second quarter, it almost threatened for a little bit. Yeah, they, they Essendon, showed signs of life, and I was like, ooh. Essendon were playing fun. a seriously, seriously risky game. Like, they have the way Richmond's set up, and, like, they were going for, like, 60-metre passes onto the <laughs> chest of someone in the corridor in between three Richmond players. And it worked, like, twice. And you were like, <laughs> oh, if they keep this going. And then they turned over the next five. And then Richmond just completely unsustainable because it's a hospital kick nine times out of ten. That's what they make you do, though. They make you go for those kicks. And, like, Essendon just kind of panicked. But we have seen panicked. other sides handle that a lot better than what Essendon did. Yeah, but not... If Richmond are winning in the midfield, I don't think I've seen a side transition effectively against Richmond. It, it, no. it comes down to, to midfield and as Your midfield pressure has marking to match defenders. theirs. And I think every side that's done well has either matched theirs or been able to win the first possession convincingly enough to break through that immediate press. And Essendon didn't do either of those things. And we... We've been, although the last couple of weeks have been different, we've been saying that Essendon are a team who try to attack from the back half. Yeah, which so you're always going to be for disaster. in a little bit of trouble against the Tigers. Who and look, Essendon come against through. a confident Ruckman, as I was saying, was an issue. Look what happens. Yeah, no, that, that, that's a factor as well. So, look, there are a lot of reasons why it happened, but either way, you still look at it and you think, wow, about the way that Richmond played. And um, everyone's talking about Edwards. Uh, like, I mean,. They've done like just they've done a little bit of a Neville Jetter of last year. Yeah, they have it? actually. It's, that, it's, it's the retrospective aspect of it where someone will start talking about how good he is, and everyone will be like, 
I mean, for five years we've known how good yeah. he is. Like, of course, he's a star. We've always when been saying that. When the real thought going through their head is, oh, fuck, why yeah. are we talking why about this guy? No one has, but they all kind of get ahead. What's full amazing speed, is man. Edwards is an yeah. unbelievably good player to watch. He's like a he's a poor man's Robbie Gray in the way he does things and the way he moves, I think. He's got that same sort of small, skinny, but unbelievably clever sort of thing he, about He's him. not as noticeable, though. Cause he no, does he's not. Things. That's he why he's a poor man's version. Yeah, okay. He does just little little handballs and tap-ons. But and, he's... Yeah. When he breaks a line and stuff, he's, just, he's really good to watch. And you'd think that... It, playing for Richmond especially, you'd think that'd be the thing that'd make it... Oh, he's good. He's he, had, he, had a good he had a really good grandfather. He could have won the Norm Smith. He yeah. was awesome. Anyway, let's move on. West Coast walked in and defeated St. Kilda by 13 points. I talk about it in any game. Eddie the Betts game with you. Eddie the Betts. Um, this Eddie is Betts like, goals, yeah. you mean, yes. <laughs> this is like, this is another version of that. They gave up at three-quarter time and still won comfortably. <laughs> <laughs> they did give it, 13 points is a joke. They got within 13 <laughs> points with two minutes to go after playing their best quarter of football for the year and West Coast not trying. Yes, that, that's true. And they, they do, you're right, they do get a lot of easy Eddie Betts goals in the goal square. And look, they were... Dominant for and three I should quarters. point out, I really rate the ability for a team to get an Eddie Betts goal. Oh, I agree with you on that. I agree with you. I've never bagged Adelaide's structure to get Eddie Betts goals, but I'm just saying I would prefer someone to set up the Eddie Betts than to be Eddie Betts himself. Yeah, okay. <laughs> but oh, this is just West Coast are dominant. The Darling injury is the biggest takeaway for mine. He's at four to six apparently. Yeah, but like. They'll, they'll, even if it costs them a couple of games, they're still going to be sitting, what, like yeah. 13 and 3 or something. Well, and weird. they'll get in the top four and they'll have home finals. Yeah. And then what's they'll lose at the really, GM grand final. What's maybe, really upsetting, though, is that North have West Coast in seven weeks. We're this close. Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, we've got them late in the year as well. But no, I mean, Kennedy still... will probably just kick a bag. Well, look what he did. Kennedy's gonna, he'll win the Coleman. You realize, we're both getting excited about Brown and Hogan. Yeah. Uh, Josh Kennedy is very, very close. He's barely played any footy. He, he's he played win three it. less games, I think. He'll win it for sure. He'll just run over the top. When he's played, he's had three played three less games, but had five games where he's had depressed outputs because Jack Darling's been so good that they've been channeling it through him instead. Mm. That's going to stop. <laughs> We're going to back to Josh Kennedy being the main man. He is the best pure full forward we've seen in this generation. Yeah, he's, like, he's an old-fashioned classic. Key forward, and he, he's just so consistent. He's probably underrated in terms of. Oh, for sure. Play. <laughs> for sure. And no he's doubt. won two or three Coleman's. It's unbelievable. St. Kilda, it's a better performance, and their last three weeks have been a bit better. Their goal kicking was better, but. The goal kicking was a lot better. That was probably the biggest <laughs> thing to come out of it. But they've got Every a. Kick they've got six. a. Go. I mean, they haven't won since round one. Yeah. Um. They've had a couple of players. Like, I think Sinclair's been really good the last couple of weeks. Loney's come in and played pretty well. So Gresham's been awesome the last few yeah, weeks. Yeah, like they're getting a bit more energy around the ball. And it's I, helped, have a, I have a bit of a broader question with them. And I know we're going too long we're, we're going to move on. Is, did St. Kilda recruit too many like really short players? <laughs> Gresham, mm. Loney, Sinclair, Billings. There's so many that are not medium-sized, but small. They have Is a, that a problem? They have a really small midfield, but they, they have Steven some... Steven Short? They have some tools, though... In the areas you need them, like they've got, they've got quite a few tall forwards, and they've got Carlisle down back. Yeah, but Brown does the aggregate, back. the average, is that a problem? They don't have anybody who can really contest in the air through the and 
ancillary parts of the game. Well, tall midfielders are becoming hot property. That they've been really popular the last five to ten mm. years or whatever, and that's meant to be a big and change in the way midfielders. So, I, you, I mean, you can make that argument, but like, I don't think it kills them having a small midfield when they have enough talls. Yeah. So let's get to our second segment because we're going way too long, as we said. Even though it was a terrible game, round of football, but we're going top five, and we've really struggled for segments, so we're going for a big topic. The top five players we've ever seen. Yeah, we, we've talked a little bit about who our fav- our favourite players that we've seen are, or the best players yeah. we've seen are, but we've never really put down a five. And to be honest, we know what our top two are going to be. Yeah. Outside of that, it's been a bit of a fair game. Yeah, so it's an interesting one. So we wanted to start with a dishonourable mention yep. because it's going to be the elephant in the room. We wanted to say why we're not putting Judd in. Yeah, Chris Judd is... I mean, if I say Rory Laird's overrated, Chris Judd's the most overrated player I've ever seen. Yeah, that's not a cane to corns. You can't even bring that up in that segment because it's just too real. It's fact, yeah. My, my, I've said, I think I've said it before, but my thing with Judd is that his first few years at West Coast were some of the best years we've seen. And it was from such a young player that everyone just assumed he was going to get better and he was going to be the best player ever. After he went to Carlton, he became... A very good midfielder. Mm. Well, one of the best he in the competition. He didn't reach the peaks he reached at West Coast. He, he was never the best midfielder in the comp when he was at Carlton. No, he had a short career in comparison. Hmm? His highs were short. And he was a dirty player, which has to be held against him. I mean, you compare him to, to Ablett. He was the best player in the comp for, I reckon, eight years. Eight years, he was clearly the best player. Yeah, Judd had maybe Judd two. Had two top. And may, even that's even questionable. He lost a brown load of Ben Cousins yeah. in one of them. Probably one. Mm. Yeah, it's, he's a very good player, but he's he's not in the best five. Below, yeah. So he's definitely not in our top fives. Absolutely not. So five, and I'll admit there's bias here. This is I'm going with mine. Okay, you're going with yours, are you? And I would just this is the most important discussion we're going to have. But I've gone Brent Harvey, and I'll admit there's bias. There. You know when I but you always know there's bias when someone has it as fifth because you know they've <laughs> just to put them in there. Yes, that's fair. That's fair. But I think he deserves a mention. I don't think he's out of place in this company. He was a very, very good footballer. He was also a very soft footballer. I think he was a poor leader, and therefore I think that's a factor. Of course he was a soft footballer. I don't think I ever saw him win a contested ball. I've been through this. He's had average seven contested possessions. That is very, very low. Over his career. He says that you're like, he had seven contested possessions. He probably had his career or something. Out of 430 games. He just ran away from everyone. He just 17 ran around. contested possessions, thank you. You don't want him as an ex- Experienced player, he was. A, he was not a good leader, and that that's a big factor for me. He's the best kick inside fifty I've ever seen by a stretch. He was very good kick inside fifty. What he did, he did very well, but there were a lot of limitations, which means he did things that no he's other player could top do. Echelon. I disagree. Obviously, who's your five? My five. I've got Matthew Scarlett. Ooh, um, I was pretty keen to put in a, a, a key defender in there, and like he's an important part of the game. Alex Rance at the moment is... I, I don't think he's too far off one of the best defenders we've seen. But no. he's still a fair fair bit below Scarlett. When, when you consider the way that Scarlett was... The way he balanced his defence and his offence. Like Rance was a good defensive player initially, and then he became a good offensive player. Maybe his defence has gone off a little bit. The way that Scarlett always, every week, beat his opponents and rebounded. Yeah, you also have to give credit to Scarlett for changing the role that a key defender plays. Look at Michael Hurley. He owes his career to Matthew Scarlett. Without Matthew Scarlett's precedence, Hurley does not play the same way at all. And Hurley is 
like the offensive half of Scarlet's game without the defensive impact mm. that's anywhere near as good. Yep. Yeah. In a lot of ways, Scarlet is the defensive Rams and the offensive Hurley. He's he's a prototype fullback. Yeah. And he's he, yeah, he's the best fullback of all time. I and think. he's crazy and brings all the good intangibles that you want. And yep. he doesn't dive. Yep. So I had him as four. He doesn't dive. Yeah, all right. Uh, you had him as your four, did you? Okay, yep. so moving on to my four, I've got Adam Goods there. Okay. You can't really ignore him. Like, if you look through... You look at his resume, it's unbelievable. Games, multiple Brownlow medals. And he was Premiership captain. His Brownlow medals were fair enough, unlike Chris Judd. Yeah. He deserved them both, and he was a very damaging, played, very consistent player. Played as a ruckman, won yeah. a Brownlow. Played yeah. as a wingman, won a Brownlow. Played out the rest of his career as a centre-half forward and was very good at it until he probably went on one year too many. Yeah. And even that performance base might have been due to some psychological factors that he did, never deserved. Like, it's unbelievable how good his career was. It's He's the only player who's ever been able to play that many positions. He's Tom McDonald, who also plays prop, played properly as a ruck in his career. It's unbelievable what he was able to do. Yep, very good footballer. Yeah, I had him as three. <laughs> <laughs> okay, aren't we boring? Uh, my three was Sam Mitchell. I, I thought you were going to put him in. We were having a long chat about Sam Mitchell. I, I think he's another one you, you can't ignore. And I said leadership was a factor in terms of not having Boomer in there. It's definitely a factor for having Sam Mitchell in there. He was a major factor in winning four premierships. I assume you won a few best and first. No, you won three at least. And, you know, play. he never won an all Smith, but he was I'd good on a big occasion. That is that he got removed as captain because they didn't think he offered enough. I don't think he got removed as captain because Hodge was just an obvious choice. Like, he just couldn't ignore Hodge. Yeah, and they the players thought he wasn't good enough. And No, but I don't think it was that he wasn't good enough. I think it was that Hodge was better. I don't think you can prove that I'm wrong. Where Mitchell was a far better player than Hodge. <laughs> yeah, so I agree with overall, that. he's a better package. Though, to be honest, I structured mine a bit. I, went, I, well, I had a midfielder, and I got the best. I had a key forward, I got the best. I had the best utility, I had the best key back, and I had the best half forward. So that's the way I did it. My three, right. as you said, was good. Was, yeah, your two now we're going, are we? Or we're going mine. Yes, yeah, your three was good. So, yeah, uh, well, look, our, our top two are the same. Our top <laughs> yes. two is two. We've said this many I times I think before. they're very obvious. <laughs> yeah, two is Buddy Franklin. One is Gary Ablett. Gary Ablett is clearly the best player I've ever seen. Like, there's, there's daylight. It is unbelievable how many games he could win off his own boot. Buddy is an unbelievable key forward. The best key forward I've ever seen, even including that golden era that just preceded him. He's... So talented, can do so many things. He's almost prototypical in nearly every facet of the game. And he still wasn't as good as Ablett. <laughs> and, and the fact that Buddy is so different is a big factor for me. Like, we've never seen anything slightly like him before. Mm. And there's no other player I've watched and thought on such a regular occasion, he is the only player in the comp that could have done that. Yeah. Except Ablett did possibly, probably the most, I think it's safe to say midfield is the most important part of the game. And he was the best Ruckies, at it. but yeah. <laughs> and he was the best at it, and the best at it by a street. And yeah. he did freakish things. He did 
the accumulating things. He did everything. Yep. But anyway, let's move on. I cannot believe how long we're going. <laughs> we got North defeated Brisbane by 54 points. Let's rush through this one yeah. because we got an important game after that. Good thing there's not too much to say about this, but go, Banjo. Absolute truckload of injuries. These were two of the it's healthiest, healthiest teams <laughs> in the league going into it outside of Richmond. We had two late outs, one each side, Barry and Wade. We had one injury from North, and that made us come out looking good because they had Charlie Cameron, who's now out for the season. They had... Uh, Mitch Robinson who's broken his mm. toe and played the entire game because they didn't have a bench Hugh McCluggage did his hamstring and someone did his I Achilles I didn't know McCluggage did his yeah, hamstring McCluggage did his hamstring and somebody else oh. did a uh, Achilles and I can't even remember who it is because it's too many you've got a feel for Brisbane because they've been close and that, that really hurts Yeah, uh, that kind of ruins the rest of their season yeah oh, absolutely it does uh, so one quick thing about you I I think it is some. It's it's special to be able to start so well after having wait out about five minutes before the game because the way, yeah. from a structural perspective, he's been super super important. Yeah, it shows a flex level of flexibility that I think is quite impressive from us, and it, I think it shows that we're not. There's been a bit of talk about there's going to be a drop off when Wade retires. But we won the two games we've played without him. And mm. one was Sydney and Sydney. And that's a good win. That's a very good win. So, I mean, this was against Brisbane. And yeah. Brisbane were crippled. But I think the way the fact you started well is important. Because it's hard to adjust. Yeah. And every time Wade's been out, Mason Wood has played about two times better. <laughs> so that's mm. a positive. The only other thing is Paul Ahern. Yeah, I was going to say. Quick mention to him. <laughs> I, it's incredible to see a guy come back from that. It's not quite in the Menzel and Alex Johnson category. But it's close. And the fact that he had 29 touches and looked really good doing it mm. is just... It is a fairy tale, and it's yeah, it's the most touches on debut ever by a North player. Yeah, Number two is Liam. So it doesn't get, exactly bode for a great career. I always say when someone has a good first game, just don't get carried away because I've seen far too many Melbourne players start well and drop off. But that is a very, very good day. Yeah, and he's going to win the Brownlow <laughs> next year, so I haven't got too far ahead. <laughs> um, GWS defeated Adelaide by 16. We have to give some time to this game because this was clearly... Clearly the best game of the round. In fact, it had 48 points on the relevance scale in my formula. I thought it was 49. That could have been. It definitely was I think second was 30. Like, it was a massive game. And this was a... I loved sitting down and watching this at the end of a boring weekend of footy because it was a really good game. The first three quarters were end-to-end, momentum shifts, mm. it was, and it was one that you just didn't really know who was going to come out. And... Adelaide kicked two freakish goals to start the last mm. quarter at home, got in front, and I thought, GWS have been really brave here, but that's probably it. And then yeah. they, they killed him for the rest of the quarter. It, the last quarter became a bit more of a slog, but um, for GWS to come out in a slog says a lot. Yeah. I hope this is them getting a bit of their mojo back, because at their best, they're the best team in the league to watch. I don't think it's particularly close. Some of the stuff they can do is I agree with stuff you. that no I mean, no, we are, do. but yeah, two... <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> um, but are you really worried about Adelaide? They've got another two key injuries in Lynch and Laird. There's not much coming back anytime soon. Are they going to make finals? Oh yeah, they'll make finals. Like I know that some the, the injuries are, are getting the getting to the point now where you're worried a lot won't come back, and they won't. Yeah. And even if they do, they won't have the time to gel together. But I still give them a chance of getting enough back in there in the back half of the year and then clicking at the right time. Yeah. And and that they played pretty well this week. This, this is a really, really good game of footy. Uh, GWS, the criticism about them being soft and not working hard enough. You watch a game like this, and I know this was a bit out mm. of the box 
in some ways. In terms of the contest, they work harder than they normally do, but they always work hard on the spread. And you watch that, like, they're... Their gut running is better than anyone else mm. in the competition. Well, I've said the entire year that it's not the hard stuff that's their problem at the moment. It's their ability to score and it's their ability to move their, the ball. Their transition was back. They were using the corridor. And that's the most important thing for them. If they can get that going again, yeah. the rest of their game hasn't been far off. Like Their pressure's been okay. Their, their, their tackle pressure was elite this week and it yeah. showed there is a gap that they need to... Yeah, but on. they've been mid-table that entire time. And when you look at what they've got and how they've moved the ball in the past, mid-table should be enough for them. And it hasn't been because mm. the other parts of the game have dropped. If their ball movement goes back to where it's been, their pressure mm. doesn't need to improve that much. And if it improves, it's a bonus. I think in terms of their ball movement, I think like they have a lot of individual players who have a lot of pride and they work really hard and they'll spread hard. But the difference this week was... It's been individual efforts previously. Like It's been like you'll yeah. see one player sort of out on his own. But this week it was as a collective they worked hard and they worked as a unit. And when they start moving through the corridor and they flick their handball around, they hit up Cameron on a lead who wheels around and they have open space to kick to. That's effort-based and that's structural-based. I mean, people look at the fact that it was a great kick and there was a freakish handball in there and say, oh, it's, it's all just talent-based. That's not kick, true. Yeah, it was a kick they knew they had the option there for and it was a kick that... Cameron knew he had to run that. Yeah, and, and they, they all know where they're all on the same page. And that's why I start saying it's unfair to say Leon Cameron's not a good coach. Because... I don't. From a, that is a structural yeah. thing, and we say that's it's a better freakish, performance. But, but I think on the whole, you still go... But at, but at their best, down. they did that regularly. Yeah. And, and I think the coach has to take credit for that. Fair enough, fair enough. Unfortunately, I don't think we can spend any more time on it because we have deadlines to meet. So let's, we're going to do a rapid-fire mailbag. Mm. Quick answers, gut feels. If Richmond and West Coast <laughs> didn't exist, would Melbourne be the best team in the competition? I think it's a little bit difficult to re- remove a couple of teams from the competition, especially when Richmond have been around for, what, 150 years or whatever. But, yes, I think on form, on form yes. I asked for a quick answer. You did not give it. That was thanks to Lewis. Next up, from Elijah, have the Western Bulldogs forgotten that football has two halves? Yeah, it's been a little bit of an issue the last Objectively, they have. I think uh, they haven't kicked a second half goal in two weeks, or they've kicked one or something. Just from a, a very quick analysis of it, I, I don't think it's... I think their effort is quite good, and we see their effort come out in the first half. And then as the game goes on, it's more their lack of weapons that, that gets them. And, and then as the game hard, goes on, they, they, they don't look great. But I don't think it's a... They try in the first half and not in the second. But anyway. If Melbourne lose to Collingwood, is it fair to say they're flat track bullies? That's from Nick. No, nah, that's a that's a dumb question. <laughs> I disagree. I think whoever loses that game is going to be labelled with a flat track bully. You've been one top eight side that you've played. Collingwood haven't been the top eight side that they've played. It's going to come down to... One of these teams is a flat track bully. People are just waiting for an excuse to call us flat track exactly. bullies. They wanted to do it after the Adelaide game. We beat before, them by 90 before points. Before the Adelaide game, Scott. They, nobody was calling no, us flat no, track no. bullies. Like they, want, they wanted to be after the game. Okay. They wanted to be in a position in which they could say that, and they couldn't. And they'll just keep waiting for us to lose a game so they can say it. Okay, this is from our, uh, <laughs> our friend that we're not entirely sure how to pronounce his name. It's Thayrod, we think. Thayrod, Thayrod. There's yeah. an accent on the E, so... If we get any further advice to that, we'd appreciate it. Can T-Mac be named twice in the All-Australian team? Three times. He spent a little bit of time loose about around somewhat half-backish sort of area. Put him there. So you think he should take McGovern's spot? 
he should take Laird's spot probably <laughs> <laughs> he should take Ben Brown's spot and he should take who's the win- Isaac Gaff, Smith's fault Gaff, yeah. Oh, yeah, Gaff's playing as a real midfielder this year you can't really say that yeah they'll probably still put him on the wing though because you think yeah. of him as a winger but yeah, yeah no I, I think he can <laughs> <laughs> no your answer was no three times uh what are North's premiership chances this year? Oh, like, they're non-existent. Like, you, you're doing a great job, and you'll finish top eight, and that'll be awesome. And you, mm. I mean, a, a good year will be winner final, but there, you, there's no chance. You're no, gonna... no, no. A good year is what we're having. A great year would be winner final. This, this, yeah, yeah. With our draw, we're an outside chance of doing one being one of those bullshit top four sides, but I don't think we're a real... The absolute best-case scenario is... Maybe like Adelaide in 2012 when they lost closely in a prelim. The, the litmus test at the moment for me is, is it possible? Can you imagine a team beating Richmond on grand final day? West Coast, highly unlikely, but possible. Possible. Yeah. Melbourne, extremely unlikely, but like it's not completely impossible. It is impossible for North we to played, beat We Richmond. played Richmond better than you did, so that's all I'm going to say. That's all I'm going to say. You're not going to beat them on grand final day at the G. No, we've... That was from Andrew. <laughs> now we've got from Adam. Should North trade uh, Proust to Geelong, the Bulldogs, GWS, or keep him as an asset for the future when Goldie retires? Try to hold on to him. It might not be possible, though. He's got three years left on a contract, which is... Why did he sign such a long contract? Because he thought Goldie was done, I think. People would give him a lot of money. I, like, with that... Power. The only way North gives him up is they get a stupidly good offer. If they had a first round pick, which he doesn't deserve, I'm not saying he deserves a first round pick. Yeah, yeah maybe you consider it. Like, yeah, you, and you look to try and get assets, and you look to use that first round pick to turn into Josh Kelly or into one of the other good targets you've got available. But not unless you get something ridiculous because you have the position of power. Yeah, I, He's probably the best young ruck in the competition. I think the problem's less from the, the North Melbourne perspective. From the North perspective, you try to hold on to him because he's a really good player and he will be really useful in the future. Mm. The issue's more from the perspective of other teams that they may offer him too much. Yeah. And, yeah. and it gets to the point he'd be an idiot not to take yeah. a big offer to be a number one. If runner. Goldie looks like he's stick around for three or four more years, you'd have to leave. Yeah, he'd be... Yeah, and that would be give North time to replace him. So, yeah. uh, And lastly... From Poochie himself, because we've got to include one of his. Is Caddy an All-Australian lock? I liked your response to this. No, because he could get injured. <laughs> but, uh, no, he's, he's not even... He's probably, he'd probably be in there at the moment. But yeah, I wouldn't say he's in there lock. at the moment. There's a lot of players around the mark. Yeah. He is a, yeah, you're exactly right. He's the best. He's leading it at the moment. But there's, he could quite easily turn around. And, yes, he could do a Jake Lever. But anyway, that's all. We're not doing tipping this week. Yeah. We're going to post them on the uh, Facebook page because we were trying to cut down, cut down time. It did not work. Yeah, but I, and I'm still just not happy about the fact we have to tip on a Tuesday before we know the teams. It, it ruins my tipping. Stop, Wingy. I'm trying to end the pod. Anyway, thanks for listening. <laughs> we'll see you next week. <laughs>